Welcome to Making Mind Marvel, a podcast by true believers. For true believers. Presented by ModernMythMedia.com. I'm Sean Gerber. And I'm Paul Herman. Your podcast for news and discussion about Marvel movies, television, and comics begins now. Are you kidding? I'm working. This takes precedent. Security breach. I need a boss. We have a Hulk. And give me one of those large enough to ride. <laughs> Sounds exhausting. Well then, son, you've got a condition. I'm sorry, this is the fun bee. The humdrum bee is back there. If you attempt to leave right. or play any games, I will tase you and watch Super Nanny while you drool into the carpet. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. That man is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. Not a great plan. Nobody talks to my friends like that. I'm rude. Finally, someone who speaks English. Is that what just happened? This mortal form has grown weak. I need sustenance. I made breakfast. You guys... Just like Kevin Bacon. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Welcome to Making Mind Marvel. My name is Sean Gerber. With me, as always, is my co-host, Paul Herman. How's it going, Paul? Well, I am uh, I'm getting I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm very excited to talk about some ants. So yeah. Yeah, we're we're gonna have a picnic. So um and also joining us today is Katie Sullivan. How's it going, Katie? Hey, how are you guys? Doing well. And Chris, King of Cranes Clow, is with us as well. If you know your modern myth media history, if not, go back and download an episode from like three years ago. But anyway, how's it going, Chris? I'm doing okay. Just digging out of the annals of history to join you today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm glad you made it. Thank you. I didn't know thank you for inviting. I me. didn't know it was going to take that much effort when I asked you to come on, but uh, <laughs> thank you very much for it. It's, it's appreciated. This is, of course, our roundtable review for Marvel's Ant-Man, the latest chapter of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that came out in theaters the day before we recorded this episode. Before we jump into it, quick reminder that even though this podcast is for you specifically, the best way for you to share it with your friends and fellow Marvel fans is by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. Please be sure to subscribe while you're there. And without further ado, we'll get into it. We're going to start off, as we always do, in our spoiler-free zone, uh, sharing our thoughts of the movie for those of you who maybe haven't seen it yet or on the fence trying to figure out whether or not you want to go see it. Uh, this This is the section of the show that is for you, and then we'll let you know uh, before we start getting into more specific discussion uh, regarding the movie. So, Katie, I'll let you lead us off. How'd you like Ant-Man? I loved it. I liked that Marvel is really good at taking their characters and figuring out what their strengths are and playing up a movie for that. Like, it's not your typical ser- superhero movie, and I think it works really, really well. So, Yeah. I loved all the scenes. Thought they did a really good job with like the shrinking technology and that stuff because I was kind of worried about it, but not to the point where you know I thought it was going to be their biggest flop or anything along mm. those lines. So yeah, I liked it. You hear that, Clow? Storm's coming. 
<laughs> All right. Well, let's send it to uh, let's send it to you, Paul. What did you think about uh, Ant Man? Well, without I, uh, spoiling it, I'm gonna, I know. I'm gonna moderate the hell out of you. <laughs> you gotta keep it down to a couple sentences. Apparently, um, Paul's just gonna be like the uh, Ant uh, Ants. <laughs> he called your turn. <laughs> um, no, I uh, I actually really like this movie, but it's funny because I I didn't. Even while while I was watching it, I didn't know about it for a while, and I I, I kind of was talking to my buddy Jim when we uh, were ta- we watched it together, and we're driving home, and I, I I told him I'm like this movie is the reverse Iron Man because yes, it is. and because the thing is it's when I say the reverse Iron Man, the very first Iron Man film, the first half is pretty much probably the best first half in comic book movie film history in my opinion. I think it's flawless it's so good it, it sets everything up it gets you all invested and you're ready for it but the problem with the with the iron man um film is that i think it kind of ends lackadaisical you know it's just kind of it's it's because it doesn't really deliver at the very end which is probably the biggest problem of the entire film which is not that big of a deal because i think it's still good i think ant-man has the reverse of that i think the first half hour 40 minutes is probably the roughest of any Marvel film. But after it kind of gets going, you get introduced to everything. It kind of does. This is a rough takeoff. That's kind of the way I, 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 I viewed it as like, it's a rough takeoff, but the rest of the flight was amazing and a great, great time. I enjoyed the last half of this movie more than I have. in a lot of Marvel films, you know, besides, when I, you know, besides like when I'm thinking about the films like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Winter Soldier, like those films are good from start to finish. So I, I never like got off my high, whereas like I was such such a low kind of I don't know about this. All of a sudden it started just tipping gradually, you know, further, further up to where I was like, OK, I, I'm in love with this. It was really gratifying and it was a little more, I hate to say it, euphoric, I guess, a little bit because I was shocked at how good it was at it towards like the end of the film i'm like wow i'm really really enjoying this and i can see where a lot of people will have issues with this film but i as soon as as soon as ant-man like got in that middle uh that middle time frame 45 minutes into it it started hitting its stride i immediately bought into everything and now i actually that's why i hadn't had a chance to rewatch the film but i really started understanding why the direction they went and I think it paid off because I think I bought into everything that they did and I just I, I just really enjoyed it. So yeah, I, I we'll get into the specifics of why I enjoyed it, but this I will I will tease a little bit that this movie has, I think, one of my favorite scenes in Marvel cinematic history. So we'll, we'll get in that later. I was uh disappointed by it. Um and let me qualify that first by saying that I'm pretty much a big fan of everybody that's in it. And uh, I'm certainly a very big fan of Edgar Wright. But um, I came away from Ant-Man feeling like it wasn't nearly as unique as it could have been. The The way that the story played out seemed a little too predictable as far as superhero origin stories are concerned. Uh, it played around with the arpeggios a little bit in the middle, which I liked and appreciated. Thought Evangeline Lilly was fantastic. I think she was my favorite 
uh, cast member. Swoon. From, Swoon. Well, and, and I, I genuinely felt that Michael Pena was hilarious. Dude. Uh, Oh, I, I was rolling stealer. in the aisles every time. Yeah, absolutely. And his cousin but, Ernesto and his cousin Ignacio. Like, just <laughs> crushed it. So he, he, he was great. He was spectacular. But as far as the other stuff is concerned, I mean, I really enjoyed the action. It was That was a very unique part of the movie and something that we had yet to have seen in superhero cinema. But... I just kind of came away from it not feeling too strongly about what I had just seen. And as a big fan of superhero movies in general, uh, of course it's the movie that I want people to go and see this weekend. And I'm glad that I saw it. It's, it's not that I despise the movie by any means, but I was just hoping for more. Uh, especially considering that we've been hearing about this movie off and on for the past nine years uh, there's quite a bit of um, anticipation built up over what it's supposed to be. And it just, we'll get into specifics in, in a little while, but the the basic feeling that I had walking out of the theater is that as far as comparing it with the other 11 Marvel Studios movies that is that have come out, it doesn't quite transcend its kind of awkward position in between being released uh, from Age of Ultron and Civil War. Those are two massive movies, and Ant-Man had the opportunity to really sort of push forward with a unique take on a superhero origin story by uh, accentuating humor from people like Paul Rudd and... uh, and, and and just the, the massively different scale that it's obviously going for, and I just didn't feel like it did that for me. I totally disagree with Chris. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. no, I really liked it. I, I loved Ant-Man. And I don't, while I agree with Paul's assessment of calling it kind of a reverse Iron Man, it's not so much for me that the beginning or first half of the movie is rough. I just think it goes with a really kind of slow build that I actually enjoyed. I liked that this was a story that I could kind of settle into, and I think this was the perfect movie to be between Avengers Age of Ultron and Captain America Civil War. I thought after, especially with so much of phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been save the world, save the world, save the world. And that happens a little bit in this, but it's not as the threat is to the world is not as immediate as you know, Ultron lifting an entire country into the sky or, or an entire city into the sky. Like it's, it really plays off of things on a, and no pun intended, by the way, anytime I use the word small for the rest of this show, unless explicitly <laughs> stated, you know, but it really does intentionally go for a, a smaller scale and it carves out a smaller place for itself in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what I liked about it is thematically, this is a very personal story for the characters involved. Everything in this movie, from the heroes to the main antagonist of the film, it's all rooted in personal relationships gone wrong. And I think that's why I ended up being so. Uh, affected by the movies I, I was really able to enjoy that and connect with characters and where they were coming from 
while at the same time just having an absolute blast watching it. I think this movie is weird like it should be. I think it could have gone even weirder, but everything with the ants, the special effects, the shrinking sequences, all that stuff was fun. The supporting cast I thought was a blast, not just Michael Pena, but T.I., and David Dalmashtian, sorry, dude, I can't pronounce his name, <laughs> but um, also from The Dark Knight. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that, yeah. But uh, I really ended up enjoying this movie. I think it ends up being it not... Everybody's always talking about that this was going to be a heist movie, and it's definitely a heist movie, but it's also wrapped around what I think is Marvel's first true family film in a way that nothing else has been. And when we get into specifics, I'll get a chance to explain why I actually think that this story in this film is more like one key aspect of the 1960s Marvel comics than any movie that Marvel has ever made. And I think that's another that was another key selling point for me as I was watching it. I went into Ant-Man... I, I wouldn't say skeptical, but I went in just thinking, okay, this... I think I'll like this movie, but this might end up being something that I don't maybe enjoy quite as much as some of the other movies that are the other Marvel movies that I've loved recently. And I really loved it. I'm not getting into rankings or any of that stuff. It's, it's way too early for that. But I really ended up enjoying this movie quite a bit. And then going back and seeing it a second time and then a third, the movie just keeps getting better and I'm enjoying it more as I continue to see it. It's very, very uh, rewatchable and it's, it's a lot of fun. So I think that's pretty much all we've got to say on uh, on our non-spoiler section. I, I do think that the, even though Chris probably came away you know, a little bit disappointed from it, I think we have four at least go-see-its, right? Do we yeah. have that? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> go spend your money. Go see it. Um, but anyway, and I think if you're downloading a Marvel podcast, you probably already saw it in this these last i don't know 12 minutes and 15 seconds were wasted so sorry about that but um that is it we are you know waving the flag we're gonna go uh, full on into spoiler territory going forward so if you hear something you didn't want to hear before seeing the movie at this point it's your fault and for those of you still here who didn't have to hit the pause button pull up some chair I think the you know the whole bit with ant-man for me like starting out this story with uh with Scott Lang you know, just getting out of prison. This is where I actually think it was kind of like a 1960s Marvel comic book. A lot of what separated the Marvel comics in that famous Stanley, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko era was that Marvel characters had in Marvel superheroes when they weren't wearing superhero costumes had to deal with the kind of real life relatable issues that that are almost universal that almost everybody has to deal with. And we've not really had that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up until this point. You know, the Fantastic Four had to worry about paying rent, you know, in the Baxter building. Uh, Peter Parker always had to figure out, you know, where his rent check was coming from or helping out Aunt May because she's a widow and they're hurting for money. You know, money being such a, a key part of that and a key part of just you know, living in this modern society. Like, I, I loved that that was an issue for Scott Lang right out the gate. He, he gets out of prison, which I think the goodbye ritual scene, I think, was pretty funny for me. But uh, And I think that was totally a, a Paul Rudd scene. But just having him, ha the, have the beginning of the story for him really is he, he desperately needs money because the, the whole Scott Lang story is he's got to be able to see his daughter with uh, Cassie. And I think what I was really able to relate to there is he's sitting there working out the and I by the way 
don't have a kid and I, I don't owe child support, so I'm not relating to that part of it. But <laughs> when uh, Paul Rudd is sitting there doing like the scratch math on a piece of paper or cardboard or whatever that was, finding out it's going to be you know over a year until he can see his daughter again. And you see him having to, to deal with that and why he tries to go back to crime. I really like that because that's something that nobody in the MCU has to deal with. It, it made Scott Lang feel more like a regular guy than I think anybody else has up until this point. Because Tony Stark is rich. So even though he captures the flawed part of being a Marvel hero, he doesn't. there's a lot of practical issues that he doesn't have to deal with. Uh, Thor is royalty, so he's fine. He's covered. Even Steve Rogers, while he talks about not being able to afford a place in Brooklyn, we never really see him have to worry about money or anything like that. By any means, but I was just hoping for more, uh, especially considering that we've been hearing about this movie off and on for the past nine years. Uh, there's quite a bit of um, anticipation built up over what it's supposed to be, and it just... We'll get into specifics in in a little while, but the the basic feeling that I had walking out of the theater is that as far as comparing it with the other eleven Marvel Studios movies that is that have come out, it doesn't quite transcend its kind of awkward position in between being released uh, from Age of Ultron and Civil War. Those are two massive movies, and Ant-Man had the opportunity to really sort of push forward with a unique take on a superhero origin story by uh, accentuating humor from people like Paul Rudd and uh, and, and, and just the, the massively different scale that it's obviously going for, and I just didn't feel like it did that for me. I totally disagree with Chris, <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, yeah. no, I really liked it. I, I loved Ant-Man and I don't, while I agree with Paul's assessment of calling it kind of a reverse Iron Man, it's not so much for me that the beginning or first half of the movie is rough. I just think it goes with a really kind of slow build that I actually enjoyed. I liked that this was a story that I could kind of settle into and, I think this was the perfect movie to be between Avengers Age of Ultron and Captain America Civil War. I thought after, especially with so much of phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been save the world, save the world, save the world. And that happens a little bit in this, but it's not as the threat is to the world is not as immediate as you know, Ultron lifting an entire country into the sky or, or an entire city into the sky. Like it's, it really plays off of things on a, and no pun intended, by the way, anytime I use the word small for the rest of this show, unless explicitly <laughs> stated, you know, but it really does intentionally go for a, a smaller scale and it carves out a smaller place for itself in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what I liked about it is thematically, this is a very personal story for the characters involved. Everything in this movie, from the heroes to the main antagonist of the film, it's all rooted in personal relationships gone wrong. And I think that's why I ended up being so uh, affected by the movie, is I, I was really able to enjoy that and connect with characters and where they were coming from 
while at the same time just having an absolute blast watching it. I think this movie is weird like it should be. I think it could have gone even weirder, but stuff, everything with the ants, the special effects, the shrinking sequences, all that stuff was fun. The supporting cast I thought was a blast, not just Michael Pena, but T.I., and David Dalmashtian, sorry, dude, I can't pronounce his name, <laughs> but um, also from The Dark Knight. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that, yeah. But uh, I really ended up enjoying this movie. I think it ends up being it not... Everybody's always talking about that this was going to be a heist movie, and it's definitely a heist movie, but it's also wrapped around what I think is Marvel's first true family film in a way that nothing else has been. And when we get into specifics, I'll get a chance to explain why I actually think that this story in this film is more like one key aspect of the 1960s Marvel comics than any movie that Marvel has ever made. And I think that's another that was another key selling point for me as I was watching it. I went into Ant-Man... I, don't, I wouldn't say skeptical, but I went in just thinking, okay, this... I think I'll like this movie, but this might end up being something that I don't maybe enjoy quite as much as some of the other movies that are the other Marvel movies that I've loved recently. And I really loved it. I'm not getting into rankings or any of that stuff. It's, it's way too early for that. But I really ended up enjoying this movie quite a bit. And then going back and seeing it a second time and then a third, the movie just keeps getting better and I'm enjoying it more as I continue to see it. It's very, very uh, rewatchable and it's, it's a lot of fun. So I think that's pretty much all we've got to say on, uh, on our non-spoiler section. I, I do think that the, even though Chris probably came away you know, a little bit disappointed from it, I think we have four at least go-see-its, right? Do we yeah. have that? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> go spend your money. Go see it. Um, but anyway, and I think if you're downloading a Marvel podcast, you probably already saw it in this these last i don't know 12 minutes and 15 seconds were wasted so sorry about that but um that is it we are you know waving the flag we're gonna go uh, full on into spoiler territory going forward so if you hear something you didn't want to hear before seeing the movie at this point it's your fault and for those of you still here who didn't have to hit the pause button pull up some chair I think the you know the whole bit with ant-man for me like starting out this story with uh with Scott Lang you know, just getting out of prison. This is where I actually think it was kind of like a 1960s Marvel comic book. A lot of what separated the Marvel comics in that famous Stanley, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko era was that Marvel characters had in Marvel superheroes when they weren't wearing superhero costumes had to deal with the kind of real life relatable issues that that are almost universal that almost everybody has to deal with. And we've not really had that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up until this point. You know, the Fantastic Four had to worry about paying rent, you know, in the Baxter building. Uh, Peter Parker always had to figure out, you know, where his rent check was coming from or helping out Aunt May because she's a widow and they're hurting for money. M you know, money being such a, a key part of that and a key part of just, op you know, living in this modern society. Like, I, I loved that that was an issue for Scott Lang right out the gate. He, he gets out of prison. Which I think the goodbye ritual scene I think was pretty funny for me, but uh, and I think that was totally a, a Paul Rudd scene. But just having him ha the have the beginning of the story for him really is he he desperately needs money because the the whole Scott Lang story is he's got to be able to see his daughter with uh, Cassie, and I think what I was really able to relate to there is he's sitting there working out the and I by the way 
don't have a kid and I, I don't owe child support, so I'm not relating to that part of it. But <laughs> when uh, Paul Rudd is sitting there doing like the scratch math on a piece of paper or cardboard or whatever that was, finding out it's going to be you know over a year until he can see his daughter again, and you see him having to, to deal with that and why he tries to go back to crime, I really like that because that's something that nobody in the MCU has to deal with. It, it made Scott Lang feel more like a regular guy than I think anybody else has up until this point because Tony Stark is rich. So even though he captures the flawed part of being a Marvel hero, he doesn't. there's a lot of practical issues that he doesn't have to deal with. Uh, Thor is royalty, so he's fine. He's covered. Even Steve Rogers, while he talks about not being able to afford a place in Brooklyn, we never really see him have to worry about money or anything like that. He's pretty much S.H.I.E.L.D. and Avengers sponsored from the time he's thought out. So I don't necessarily think anybody else has really had to deal with real life in the way that Scott Lang has in this, and I loved it. And, and they do really funny things with it. I think the Baskin-Robbins bit was classic to me. I think mm-hmm. that was hilarious. I mean... It was funny. It was a little over the top for me. Well, I mean, I don't know that anybody's really that dumb to walk into Baskin-Robbins asking for a burger or a hot pretzel or something that's hot and fresh. But you know what? I've done customer service, and I've had people ask for some pretty stupid crap. So yeah. I've, you know, I, I can totally relate to that. But you know, I, I loved the scene with the manager when he just tells yes. him to pull up some chair. And, <laughs> dude, if there's you talk about a quotable line from this movie, Baskin-Robbins always finds out. I think was so awesome, so funny. And I love how this guy, this, you know, store manager of a Baskin Robbins thinks it's the most badass thing that Scott Lang's been to prison. Like Scott Lang becomes a hero to him. By any means, but I was just hoping for more, Uh, especially considering that we've been hearing about this movie off and on for the past nine years. Uh, There's quite a bit of... um, anticipation built up over what it's supposed to be and it just we'll get into specifics in in a little while but the the basic feeling that i had walking out of the theater is that as far as comparing it with the other 11 marvel studios movies that is that have come out it doesn't quite transcend its kind of awkward position in between being released uh, from Age of Ultron and Civil War. Those are two massive movies, and Ant-Man had the opportunity to really sort of push forward with a unique take on a superhero origin story by uh, accentuating humor from people like Paul Rudd and uh, and, and, and just the, the massively different scale that it's obviously going for, and I just didn't feel like it did that for me. I totally disagree with Chris, <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, yeah. no, I really liked it. I, I loved Ant-Man and I don't, while I agree with Paul's assessment of calling it kind of a reverse Iron Man, it's not so much for me that the beginning or first half of the movie is rough. I just think it goes with a really kind of slow build that I actually enjoyed. I liked that this was a story that I could kind of settle into and, I think this was the perfect movie to be between Avengers Age of Ultron and Captain America Civil War. I thought after, especially with so much of phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been save the world, save the world, save the world. And that happens a little bit in this, but it's not as the threat to the world is not as immediate as 
Ultron lifting an entire country into the sky or, or an entire city into the sky. Like it's, it really plays off of things on a, and no pun intended, by the way, anytime I use the word small for the rest of this show, unless explicitly <laughs> stated, you know, but it really does intentionally go for a, a smaller scale and it carves out a smaller place for itself in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what I liked about it is thematically, this is a very personal story for the characters involved. Everything in this movie, from the heroes to the main antagonist of the film, it's all rooted in personal relationships gone wrong. And I think that's why I ended up being so uh, affected by the movie, is I, I was really able to enjoy that and connect with characters and where they were coming from. While at the same time, just having an absolute blast watching it, I think this movie is weird like it should be. I think it could have gone even weirder, but everything with the ants, the special effects, the shrinking sequences, all that stuff was fun. The supporting cast I thought was a blast, not just Michael Pena, but T.I. and David Dalmashtian. Sorry, dude, I can't pronounce his name, (laughs) but um, also from The Dark Knight. I was going to say that, yeah. But uh, I really ended up enjoying this movie. I think it ends up being not... Everybody's always talking about that this was going to be a heist movie, and it's definitely a heist movie, but it's also wrapped around what I think is Marvel's first true family film in a way that nothing else has been. And when we get into specifics, I'll get a chance to explain why I actually think that this story in this film is more like one key aspect of the 1960s Marvel comics than any movie that Marvel has ever made. And I think that's another, that was another key selling point for me as I was watching it. I went into Ant-Man, I I wouldn't say skeptical, but I went in just thinking, okay, this, I think I'll like this movie, but this might end up being something that I don't maybe enjoy quite as much as some of the other movies that are the other Marvel movies that I've loved recently. And I really loved it. I'm not getting into rankings or any of that stuff. It's, it's way too early for that, but I really ended up enjoying this movie quite a bit. And then going back and seeing it a second time. And then a third, the movie just keeps getting better and I'm enjoying it more as I continue to see it. It's very, very uh, rewatchable and it's, it's a lot of fun. So I think that's pretty much all we've got to say on, uh, uh, on our non-spoiler section, I, I do think that the, even though Chris probably came away, you know, a little bit disappointed from it, I think we have four at least go see it's right. Do we yeah. have that? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> go spend your money, go see it. Um, but anyway, yeah, and I think if you're downloading a Marvel podcast, you probably already saw it. And this leads the last, I don't know, 12 minutes and 15 seconds were wasted. So sorry about that. But um <laughs> That is it. We are, you know, waving the flag. We're going to go uh, full on into spoiler territory going forward. So if you hear something you didn't want to hear before seeing the movie at this point, it's your fault. And for those of you still here who didn't have to hit the pause button, pull up some chair. I think, the, you know, the whole bit with Ant-Man for me, like starting out this story with uh, with Scott Lang, you know, just getting out of prison This is where I actually think it was kind of like a 1960s Marvel comic book. A lot of what separated the Marvel comics in that famous Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko era was that Marvel characters had, and Marvel superheroes, when they weren't wearing superhero costumes, had to deal with the kind of real-life, relatable issues that, that are almost universal, that almost everybody has to deal with. And we've not really had that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up until this point. 
you know, the Fantastic Four had to worry about paying rent, you know, in the Baxter building. Uh, Peter Parker always had to figure out, you know, where his rent check was coming from or helping out Aunt May because she's a widow and they're hurting for money. M you know, money being such a, a key part of that and a key part of just, op you know, living in this modern society. Like, I, I loved that that was an issue for Scott Lang right out the gate. He, he gets out of prison, which I think the goodbye ritual scene, I think, was pretty funny for me. But... uh and I think that was totally a, a Paul Rudd scene. But just having him have the, have the beginning of the story for him really is he he desperately needs money because the, the whole Scott Lang story is he's got to be able to see his daughter with uh, Cassie. And I think what I was really able to relate to there is he's sitting there working out the and I, by the way, don't have a kid and I, I don't owe child support. So I'm not relating to that part of it. But <laughs> when uh, Paul Rudd is sitting there doing like the scratch math on a piece of paper or cardboard or whatever that was finding out it's going to be you know over a year until he can see his daughter again and you see him having to to deal with that and why he tries to go back to crime i really like that because that's something that nobody in the mcu has to deal with it, it made scott lang feel more like a regular guy than i think anybody else has up until this point because tony stark is rich so even though he captures the flawed part of being a marvel hero he doesn't. There's a lot of practical issues that he doesn't have to deal with. Uh, Thor is royalty, so he's fine. He's covered. Even Steve Rogers, while he talks about not being able to afford a place in Brooklyn, we never really see him have to worry about money or anything like that. He's pretty much S.H.I.E.L.D. and Avengers sponsored from the time he's thought out. So I don't necessarily think anybody else has really had to deal with real life in the way that Scott Lang has in this, and I loved it. And, and they do really funny things with it. I think the Baskin-Robbins bit was classic to me. I think mm -hmm. that was hilarious. I mean, it was funny. It was a little over the top for me. Well, I mean, I don't know that anybody's really that dumb to walk into Baskin Robbins asking for a burger or a hot pretzel or something that's hot and fresh. But you know what? I've done customer service and I've had people ask for some pretty stupid crap. So yeah, I you know I I can totally relate to that. But you know, I I loved the scene with the manager when he just tells yes. him to pull up some chair and <laughs> dude. If there's you talk about a quotable line from this movie, Baskin Robbins always finds out. I think it was so awesome, so funny, and I love how this guy, this you know store manager of a, of a Baskin Robbins, thinks it's the most badass thing that Scott Lang's been to prison. And like Scott Lang becomes a hero to him by any means, but I was just hoping for more, uh, especially considering that we've been hearing about this movie off and on for the past nine years. Uh, there's quite a bit of um, anticipation built up over what it's supposed to be. And it just, we'll get into specifics in, in a little while, but the, the basic feeling that I had walking out of the theater is that as far as comparing it with the other 11 Marvel Studios movies that, is, that have come out, it doesn't quite transcend its kind of awkward position in between being released uh, from Age of Ultron and Civil War. Those are two massive movies, and Ant-Man had the opportunity to really sort of push forward with a unique take on a superhero origin story by uh, accentuating humor from people like Paul Rudd and... Uh, and, and and just the, the massively different scale that it's obviously going for, and I just didn't feel like it did that for me. I totally disagree with Chris. <laughs> but uh, Well, I mean, yeah. 
no, I really liked it. I I loved Ant Man, and I don't. While I agree with Paul's assessment of calling it kind of a reverse Iron Man, it's not so much for me that the beginning or first half of the movie is rough. I just think it goes with a really kind of slow build that I actually enjoyed. I liked that this was a story that I could kind of settle into, and I think this was the perfect movie to be between Avengers Age of Ultron and Captain America Civil War. I thought after, especially with so much of phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been save the world, save the world, save the world. And that happens a little bit in this, but it's not as the threat is to the world is not as immediate as you know, Ultron lifting an entire country into the sky or, or an entire city into the sky. Like it's, it really plays off of things on a, and no pun intended, by the way, anytime I use the word small for the rest of this show, unless explicitly <laughs> stated, you know, but it really does intentionally go for a, a smaller scale and it carves out a smaller place for itself in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what I liked about it is thematically, this is a very personal story for the characters involved. Everything in this movie, from the heroes to the main antagonist of the film, it's all rooted in personal relationships gone wrong. And I think that's why I ended up being so uh, affected by the movie, is I, I was really able to enjoy that and connect with characters and where they were coming from, while at the same time just having an absolute blast watching it. I think this movie is weird like it should be i think it could have gone even weirder but stuff everything with the ants the special effects the shrinking sequences all that stuff was fun the supporting cast i thought was a blast not just michael pena but ti and david dalmashian sorry dude i can't pronounce his name <laughs> but um also from the dark knight yeah, i was gonna uh, say that yeah but uh, i really ended up enjoying this movie i think it ends up being it not everybody's always talking about that this was going to be a heist movie and it's definitely a heist movie but it's also wrapped around what i think is marvel's first true family film in a way that nothing else has been and when we get into specifics i'll get a chance to explain why i actually think that this story in this film is more like one key aspect of the 1960s marvel comics than any movie that marvel has ever made and I think that's another. That was another key selling point for me as I was watching it. I went into Ant Man. I don't, I wouldn't say skeptical, but I went in just thinking, okay, this. I think I'll like this movie, but this might end up being something that I don't maybe enjoy quite as much as some of the other movies that I, or the other Marvel movies that I've loved recently. And I really loved it. I'm not getting into rankings or any of that stuff. It's it's way too early for that. But I really ended up enjoying this movie quite a bit. And then going back and seeing it a second time and then a third, the movie just keeps getting better and I'm enjoying it more as I continue to see it. It's very, very uh, rewatchable and it's it's a lot of fun. So I think that's pretty much all we've got to say on, uh, on our non-spoiler section. I, I do think that the, even though Chris probably came away you know, a little bit disappointed from it, I think we have four at least go-see-its, right? Do we yeah. have that? Yeah. All right. So... <laughs> go spend your money go see it um but anyway yeah, and i think if you're downloading a marvel podcast you probably already saw it in this these last i don't know 12 minutes and 15 seconds were wasted so sorry about that but um that is it we are you know waving the flag we're gonna go uh, full-on into spoiler territory going forward so if you hear something you didn't want to hear before seeing the movie at this point it's your fault 
And for those of you still here who didn't have to hit the pause button, pull up some chair. I think the you know the whole bit with Ant Man for me, like starting out this story with uh, with Scott Lang, you know, just getting out of prison. This is where I actually think it was kind of like a 1960s Marvel comic book. A lot of what separated the Marvel comics in that famous Stanley, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko era was that Marvel characters had and Marvel superheroes when they weren't wearing superhero costumes had to deal with the kind of real life relatable issues that that are almost universal that almost everybody has to deal with and we've not really had that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up until this point. You know, the Fantastic Four had to worry about paying rent, you know, in the Baxter building. Uh, Peter Parker always had to figure out, you know, where his rent check was coming from or helping out Aunt May because she's a widow and they're hurting for money. You know, money being such a a key part of that and a key part of just, you know, living in this modern society. Like, I I loved that that was an issue for Scott Lang right out the gate. He, He gets out of prison, which I think the goodbye ritual scene I think was pretty funny for me, but... uh and I think that was totally a, a Paul Rudd scene. But just having him have the have the beginning of the story for him really is he he desperately needs money because the the whole Scott Lang story is he's got to be able to see his daughter with uh, Cassie. And I think what I was really able to relate to there is he's sitting there working out the and I by the way don't have a kid and I I don't owe child support so I'm not relating to that part of it. But <laughs> when uh, Paul Rudd is sitting there doing like the scratch math on a piece of paper or cardboard or whatever that was finding out it's going to be you know over a year until he can see his daughter again and you see him having to to deal with that and why he tries to go back to crime I really like that because that's something that nobody in the MCU has to deal with it it made Scott Lang feel more like a regular guy than I think anybody else has up until this point because Tony Stark is rich so even though he captures the flawed part of being a Marvel hero he doesn't. There's a lot of practical issues that he doesn't have to deal with. Uh, Thor is royalty, so he's fine. He's covered. Even Steve Rogers, while he talks about not being able to afford a place in Brooklyn, we never really see him have to worry about money or anything like that. He's pretty much S.H.I.E.L.D. and Avengers sponsored from the time he's thought out. So I don't necessarily think anybody else has really had to deal with real life in the way that Scott Lang has in this, and I loved it. And, and they do really funny things with it. I think the Baskin-Robbins bit was classic to me. I think that was hilarious. I mean, it was funny. It was a little over the top for me. Well, I mean, I don't know that anybody's really that dumb to walk into Baskin Robbins asking for a burger or a hot pretzel or something that's hot and fresh. But you know what? I've done customer service and I've had people ask for some pretty stupid crap. So yeah, I you know I I can totally relate to that. But you know, I I loved the scene with the manager when he just tells yes. him to pull up some chair and dude. <laughs> If there's you talk about a quotable line from this movie, Baskin Robbins always finds out. I think it was so awesome, so funny, and I love how this guy, this you know store manager of a, of a Baskin Robbins, thinks it's the most badass thing that Scott Lang's been to prison. And like Scott Lang becomes a hero to him by any means, but I was just hoping for more, uh, especially considering that we've been hearing about this movie off and on for the past nine years. Uh, there's quite a bit of um, anticipation built up over what it's supposed to be. And it just, we'll get into specifics in, in a little while, but the the basic feeling that I had walking out of the theater is that as far as 
comparing it with the other 11 Marvel Studios movies that is that have come out, it doesn't quite transcend its kind of awkward position in between being released uh, from Age of Ultron and Civil War. Those are two massive movies, and Ant-Man had the opportunity to really sort of push forward with a unique take on a superhero origin story by uh, accentuating humor from people like Paul Rudd and, uh, and, and, and just the, the massively different scale that it's obviously going for, and I just didn't feel like it did that for me. I totally disagree with Chris, <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, yeah. no, I really liked it. I, I loved Ant-Man and I don't, while I agree with Paul's assessment of calling it kind of a reverse Iron Man, it's not so much for me that the beginning or first half of the movie is rough. I just think it goes with a really kind of slow build that I actually enjoyed. I liked that this was a story that I could kind of settle into and, I think this was the perfect movie to be between Avengers Age of Ultron and Captain America Civil War. I thought after, especially with so much of phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been save the world, save the world, save the world. And that happens a little bit in this, but it's not as the threat is to the world is not as immediate as you know, Ultron lifting an entire country into the sky or, or an entire city into the sky. Like it's, it really plays off of things on a, and no pun intended, by the way, anytime I use the word small for the rest of this show, unless explicitly <laughs> stated, you know, but it really does intentionally go for a, a smaller scale and it carves out a smaller place for itself in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what I liked about it is thematically, this is a very personal story for the characters involved. Everything in this movie, from the heroes to the main antagonist of the film, it's all rooted in personal relationships gone wrong. And I think that's why I ended up being so uh, affected by the movie, is I, I was really able to enjoy that and connect with characters and where they were coming from, while at the same time just having an absolute blast watching it. I think this movie is weird like it should be i think it could have gone even weirder but stuff, everything with the ants the special effects the shrinking sequences all that stuff was fun the supporting cast i thought was a blast not just michael pena but ti and david dalmashian sorry dude i can't pronounce his name <laughs> but um also from the dark knight yeah, uh, i was gonna say that yeah but uh, i really ended up enjoying this movie i think it ends up being it not everybody's always talking about that this was going to be a heist movie and it's definitely a heist movie, but it's also wrapped around what I think is Marvel's first true family film in a way that nothing else has been. And when we get into specifics, I'll get a chance to explain why I actually think that this story in this film is more like one key aspect of the 1960s Marvel comics than any movie that Marvel has ever made. And I think that's another. that was another key selling point for me as I was watching it. I went into Ant-Man, I, I wouldn't say skeptical, but I went in just thinking, okay, this. I think I'll like this movie, but this might end up being something that I don't maybe enjoy quite as much as some of the other movies that, I, or the other Marvel movies that I've loved recently. And I really loved it. I'm not getting into rankings or any of that stuff. It's, it's way too early for that. But I really ended up enjoying this movie quite a bit. 
and then going back and seeing it a, a second time and then a third, the movie just keeps getting better and I'm enjoying it more as I continue to see it. It's very, very uh, rewatchable and it's it's a lot of fun. So I think that's pretty much all we've got to say on uh, on our non-spoiler section. I, I do think that the, even though Chris probably came away you know, a little bit disappointed from it, I think we have four at least go-see-its, right? Do we yeah. have that? Yeah. All right. So... <laughs> go spend your money go see it um but anyway yeah, and i think if you're downloading a marvel podcast you probably already saw it in this these last i don't know 12 minutes and 15 seconds were wasted so sorry about that but um that is it we are you know waving the flag we're gonna go uh, full-on into spoiler territory going forward so if you hear something you didn't want to hear before seeing the movie at this point it's your fault and for those of you still here who didn't have to hit the pause button pull up some chair I think the you know the whole bit with Ant Man for me like starting out this story with uh, with Scott Lang you know, just getting out of prison. This is where I actually think it was kind of like a 1960s Marvel comic book. A lot of what separated the Marvel comics in that famous Stanley, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko era was that Marvel characters had and Marvel superheroes when they weren't wearing superhero costumes had to deal with the kind of real life relatable issues that that are almost universal that almost everybody has to deal with and we've not really had that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up until this point you know the Fantastic 4 had to worry about paying rent you know in the Baxter building uh, Peter Parker always had to figure out you know where his rent check was coming from or helping out Aunt May because she's a widow and they're hurting for money M- you know money being such a a key part of that and a key part of just you know living in this modern society like i i loved that that was an issue for scott lang right out the gate he he gets out of prison which i think the goodbye ritual scene i think was pretty funny for me but uh and i think that was totally a, a paul rudd scene but just having him have the have the beginning of the story for him really is he he desperately needs money because the the whole scott lang story is he's got to be able to see his daughter with uh, cassie and i think what i was really able to relate to there is he's sitting there working out the and I by the way don't have a kid and I I don't owe child support so I'm not relating to that part of it but (laughs) when uh Paul Rudd is sitting there doing like the scratch math on a piece of paper or cardboard or whatever that was finding out it's going to be you know over a year until he can see his daughter again and you see him having to to deal with that and why he tries to go back to crime I really liked that because that's something that nobody in the MCU has to deal with. It, it made Scott Lang feel more like a regular guy than I think anybody else has up until this point because Tony Stark is rich. So even though he captures the flawed part of being a Marvel hero, he doesn't. there's a lot of practical issues that he doesn't have to deal with. Uh, Thor is royalty, so he's fine. He's covered. Even Steve Rogers, while he talks about not being able to afford a place in Brooklyn, we never really see him have to worry about money or anything like that. He's pretty much S.H.I.E.L.D. and Avengers sponsored from the time he's thought out. So I don't necessarily think anybody else has really had to deal with real life in the way that Scott Lang has in this, and I loved it. And, and they do really funny things with it. I think the Baskin-Robbins bit was classic to me. I think mm-hmm. that was hilarious. I mean... It was funny. It was a little over the top for me. Well, I mean, I don't know that anybody's really that dumb to walk into Baskin Robbins asking for a burger or a hot pretzel or something that's hot and fresh. But you know what? I've done customer service and I've had people ask for some pretty stupid crap. So 
Yeah. I you know, I I can totally relate to that. But you know, I I loved the scene with the manager when he just tells yes. him to pull up some chair and <laughs> dude, if there's you talk about a quotable line from this movie, Baskin Robbins always finds out. I think it was so awesome, so funny. And I love how this guy, this you know, store manager of a, of a Baskin Robbins thinks it's the most badass thing that Scott Lang's been to prison and like Scott Lang becomes a hero to him by any means but I was just hoping for more uh especially considering that we've been hearing about this movie off and on for the past nine years uh there's quite a bit of um anticipation built up over what it's supposed to be and it just we'll get into specifics in in a little while but the the basic feeling that I had walking out of the theater is that as far as comparing it with the other 11 Marvel Studios movies that is that have come out, it doesn't quite transcend its kind of awkward position in between being released uh, from Age of Ultron and Civil War. Those are two massive movies, and Ant-Man had the opportunity to really sort of push forward with a unique take on a superhero origin story by uh, accentuating humor from people like Paul Rudd and, uh, and, and, and just the, the massively different scale that it's obviously going for, and I just didn't feel like it did that for me. I totally disagree with Chris. <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, yeah. no, I really liked it. I, I loved Ant-Man, and I don't... While I agree with Paul's assessment of calling it kind of a reverse Iron Man, it's not so much for me that the beginning or first half of the movie is rough. I just think it goes with a really kind of slow build that I actually enjoyed. I liked that this was a story that I could kind of settle into, and I think this was the perfect movie to be between Avengers Age of Ultron and Captain America Civil War. I thought after, especially with so much of phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been save the world, save the world, save the world. And that happens a little bit in this, but it's not as the threat is to the world is not as immediate as you know, Ultron lifting an entire country into the sky or, or an entire city into the sky. Like it'd be by any means, but I was just hoping for more, uh, especially considering that we've been hearing about this movie off and on for the past nine years uh, there's quite a bit of um, anticipation built up over what it's supposed to be. And it just, we'll get into specifics in, in a little while, but the, the basic feeling that I had walking out of the theater is that as far as comparing it with the other 11 Marvel Studios movies that, is, that have come out, it doesn't quite transcend its kind of awkward position in between being released uh, from Age of Ultron and Civil War. Those are two massive movies, and Ant-Man had the opportunity to really sort of push forward with a unique take on a superhero origin story by uh, accentuating humor from people like Paul Rudd and... uh, and, and and just the, the massively different scale that it's obviously going for, and I just didn't feel like it did that for me. I totally disagree with Chris. <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, yeah. no, I really liked it. I, I loved Ant-Man. And I don't, 
while I agree with Paul's assessment of calling it kind of a reverse Iron Man, it's not so much for me that the beginning or first half of the movie is rough. I just think it goes with a really kind of slow build that I actually enjoyed. I liked that this was a story that I could kind of settle into, and I think this was the perfect movie to be between Avengers Age of Ultron and Captain America Civil War. I thought after, especially with so much of phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been save the world, save the world, save the world. And that happens a little bit in this, but it's not as the threat is to the world is not as immediate as you know, Ultron lifting an entire country into the sky or, or an entire city into the sky. Like it's, it really plays off of things on a, and no pun intended, by the way, anytime I use the word small for the rest of this show, unless explicitly <laughs> stated, you know, but it really does intentionally go for a, a smaller scale and it carves out a smaller place for itself in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And what I liked about it is thematically, this is a very personal story for the characters involved. Everything in this movie, from the heroes to the main antagonists of the film, it's all rooted in personal relationships gone wrong. And I think that's why I ended up being so uh, affected by the movie, is I, I was really able to enjoy that and connect with characters and where they were coming from, while at the same time just having an absolute blast watching it. I think this movie is weird like it should be i think it could have gone even weirder but stuff everything with the ants the special effects the shrinking sequences all that stuff was fun the supporting cast i thought was a blast not just michael pena but ti and david dalmashian sorry dude i can't pronounce his name <laughs> but um also from the dark knight yeah, uh, i was gonna say that yeah but uh, i really ended up enjoying this movie i, I think it ends up being it not everybody's always talking about that this was going to be a heist movie and it's definitely a heist movie but it's also wrapped around what i think is marvel's first true family film in a way that nothing else has been and when we get into specifics i'll get a chance to explain why i actually think that this story in this film is more like one key aspect of the 1960s marvel comics than any movie that marvel has ever made and I think that's another. That was another key selling point for me as I was watching it. I went into Ant Man. I don't, I wouldn't say skeptical, but I went in just thinking, okay, this. I think I'll like this movie, but this might end up being something that I don't maybe enjoy quite as much as some of the other movies that I, or the other Marvel movies that I've loved recently. And I really loved it. I'm not getting into rankings or any of that stuff. It's it's way too early for that. But I really ended up enjoying this movie quite a bit. And then going back and seeing it a second time and then a third, the movie just keeps getting better and I'm enjoying it more as I continue to see it. It's very, very uh, rewatchable and it's it's a lot of fun. So I think that's pretty much all we've got to say on, uh, on our non-spoiler section. I, I do think that the, even though Chris probably came away you know, a little bit disappointed from it, I think we have four at least go-see-its, right? Do we yeah. have that? Yeah. All right. So... <laughs> go spend your money go see it um but anyway and i think if you're downloading a marvel podcast you probably already saw it and this leads the last i don't know 12 minutes and 15 seconds were wasted so sorry about that but um that is it we are you know waving the flag we're gonna go uh, full-on into spoiler territory going forward so if you hear something you didn't want to hear before seeing the movie at this point it's your fault and for those of you still here who didn't have to hit the pause button pull up some chair 
I think the you know the whole bit with Ant Man for me, like starting out this story with uh, with Scott Lang, you know, just getting out of prison. This is where I actually think it was kind of like a 1960s Marvel comic book. A lot of what separated the Marvel comics in that famous Stanley, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko era was that Marvel characters had and Marvel superheroes when they weren't wearing superhero costumes had to deal with the kind of real life relatable issues that that are almost universal that almost everybody has to deal with. And we've not really 